The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Get ready to explore the connection between communications and human motivation. Our guests will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Our host, Gordon Rudo, CEO of Bonfire Communications, has bridged the communications gap from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 500, from political leaders to celebrity CEOs. Get ready to be fired up with your master communicator, Gordon Rudo. So good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Fired Up, a Webmaster Radio. Glad to be back with you again. Hope everyone is feeling inspired today. That is going to be our topic, uh, and we're just going to jump right into it. We have Terry Pierce back with us, author of Leading Out Loud, former SVP of communications over at Charles Schwab & Company. Uh, welcome back, Terry. Thank you. It's great to be back. So, listeners, we spent some time, Terry and I, thinking about you and what would be interesting, and he is doing some pretty fascinating work in the, in the area of inspiration. And, and Terry, I, I went back into our last conversation in preparing for today, and it was fascinating because we spent most of our time talking about fear and ego last time. So spending mm-hmm. time on empathy, inspiration, and the divine seems pretty appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's a nice, it's it's a nice, uh, it's a nice um, uh, contra to our conversation last time. If you spend a lot of time on fear and ego, you want to talk about inspiration right away. That should tell us something. Yes, we should balance this whole deal out. So let's jump into it. So your study around inspiration, you talk about the starting points of your study, uh, the integration of depth psychology, mythology, anthropology, neurobiology, and spirituality, and kind of where those intersect. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went from coaching leaders on authentic communications to this wide-ranging topic and focused around inspiration? What brought you here? Well, um, my work had been in in coaching and teaching, and and it had always been on authentic communication, but I also realized that that part of that was how, and in fact, a big part of it, which the subtitle of the book is Inspiring Others Through Authentic Communication. So it's about inspiration as opposed to motivation. How does somebody deploy themselves in a way that actually inspires others to act? And um, the more I taught, particularly internationally, uh, I was doing quite a bit of work in the London Business School at the time, uh, teaching in the Sloan program there. And these were people from around the world that had had a lot of experience. And they were all from different cultures. So necessarily, I had to really be careful uh, listening to them to make sure that my my own point of view and my own way of teaching wasn't slanted toward the West. Um, and I frankly got very, very interested in how the principles would apply without regard to person's you know economic circumstances or their cultural beliefs or where they came from. Uh, and that's what drove me back to uh, to school. I realized I didn't really have enough knowledge around the greater themes of commonality, and uh, and, and I wanted that. So I I went back to school in comparative mythology uh, with an emphasis in depth psychology because in the depth psychological frame, 
uh, you really look at a collective archetypal unconscious, which would at least in theory be common to everyone. So that's how I got there. So you said something, uh, there are a couple of things that I want to pick apart here, but one of the first things that you said is the distinction between inspiration and motivation, and I'm not sure if everybody can draw a clear enough distinction. Can you paint the picture a little bit more clearly for us on that one? I, I sure can. Yeah, motivation is, um, if we, one, way of, one way of looking at it is to, is to see what words we associate with it, and, and indeed that's true of the etymology of the words. Motivation's definition includes words like prompt and spur and induce, and these kinds of terms indicate an urging by someone else using an outside identification, uh, identifiable and objective stimulus. So it's a carrot and stick word. Uh, motivation is that. Uh, it's a characteristic consistent with our general understanding of the term. Inspiration, on the other hand, has a lot more uh, complex set of reference. So there are at least three distinct etymological foundations to the word. Um, the Latin actually is, um, it means to blow into or upon or to breathe into. And then a second tracing from the Greek means uh, God breath or God breathe as though it's from the outside. A product of the, like the creative breath of God. Um, and it's, it's also close to the meaning that Dante referred to in the early 14th century, which really referred to suggestion or prompting, but specifically by God. So those reference kind of give you an idea of the difference between the two. Uh, motivation, very easy in, uh, in relationship to inspiration. Motivation, you take a stick, you take an offer, um, or you take a carrot, and you present that to a person to say, if you do this, you're going to get that, or you're not going to get this. Inspiration, on the other hand, has no such reference to it. So you have to, it has to have meaning involved in it in order to get somebody to move. So, once again, we, we have some definitions, we have a frame, and we need to take a short break, but I'd love to jump back when we come back from break and look at kind of the leader's role in setting engagement and, and having the organization inspired to move, but it sounds like we are using more of a carrot and stick phenomenon in the way that we're thinking about it so far. So we'll come back from break and look at what do organizations do today and how can we reframe our thinking around motivation and engagement. We'll be right back with Terry Pierce. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Hey, affiliates. Do you find it a challenge monetizing traffic from the UK, France, or India? You need offers that will appeal to all of your visitors, no matter where they come from. AdsMarket.com has met this challenge and has turned it into a science. AdsMarket.com gets results for publishers and advertisers with a winning formula. The combination of offers, worldwide traffic, and AdsMarket's up-close and personal media management is exactly the boost needed to monetize international audiences. AdsMarket.com. The science of performance. 
Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. Inbox, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're getting fired up, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So, Terry, right before the break, you talked about motivation as a carrot-and-stick phenomenon. And we work with a lot of leaders, and they talk about how they're trying to kind of engage the intrinsic motivators of the human beings. They, they seem to talk about this in a way that is not necessarily carrot and stick, but is it? Talk, what is your experience of, of a leader's understanding of, of motivation versus inspiration, and what kind of techniques are we actually employing? Sure. Uh, well, I think you're right. When you talk to leaders and you talk about intrinsic value and so forth, they understand that in general. On the other hand, there's a difference between uh, you know a conceptual understanding of it and actually creating an atmosphere where it takes place. So um, creating meaning is not just a matter of uh, you know handing over X or Y, that is money or something else. It's a matter of creating meaning that is important to the individual intrinsically. The problem that leaders run headlong into is that it requires, in order to inspire, it requires that they deploy themselves. Now, that's a, that's a term that actually Warren Bennis came up with in the 80s, but I, I don't think it was ever really well understood. He meant by that that you're deploying your internal resources. That requires the leader then to um, not just be the smartest person in the office, but rather to have some idea about what he or she cares about and be able to relate that and in his or her communication to be able to communicate through the prism of his values all the time so that meaning can actually be created. That's a, so that's a big step for people to take. They have to actually understand who they are. It's the old, you know, it's the old uh, Delphic oracle, uh, know thyself, know who you are. Be able to speak from that, be able to communicate from that place rather than from what you have or what you know. So can we look at your blog as an example? Uh, you you sure. looked at uh, I hope so. Brother Michael. <laughs> Brother Michael and Brother David that was talking about uh, Barack Obama as one of those leaders who actually is in the other side, as he put it, of this consciousness threshold that allows him to engage with, with individuals at a more human level than a typical politician uh, does. So when you're talking about leaders that have kind of crossed this threshold, are there other examples that you have in business? Are there leaders today that are inspiring people at this next level of consciousness, not necessarily doing carrot and stick Well, you, you know, your big, the big caveat that you slipped in there on me, Gordon, was the comma in business, uh, because you used an example that's not in business that has a much broader um, audience, sure. worldwide audience, and, uh, and then you narrow it down to in business. So I'll, I'll take the challenge, but I want to make sure that everybody hears the distinction. Uh, first of all, because we don't know as many leaders in business as we do in the public arenas. I could, for example, easily go to you know Nelson Mandela 
Um, and I could also point to the fact that he spent 27 in year, years in prison finding out who he was. Uh, and he had a certain advantage coming out, uh, having had that time to be introspective. Um, but I, but in business, I'll, I'll, I'll point to one that I think this is true of, and then a couple that I'll that I've actually coached individually without using their names on the radio. Um, but there's a there's an article um, just recently um, in um, in Business Week about Charles or about uh, Howard Schultz coming back to take over Starbucks. And uh, Schultz wrote his own biography a few years ago called Pour Your Heart Into It. And here was a great example of someone who actually framed his business savvy and the way in which he created Starbucks, or after he bought it, he created it, basically, around his own values. He used a lot of personal experience in that book, particularly when he was a kid and his father was out of work and he was... um, you know, had to actually watch his father deteriorate with a broken leg because he had no insurance and the mother had to take in washing and all of that. Um, but he said uh, that the image of his father laying in that bed uh, made him uh, much more aware than he would have been otherwise. And he says in the book, he said, I swore that if I ever got uh, to the point where I was running something, I would never leave anyone out. Now, that's a heck of a conclusion for a 10-year-old kid to come to because he uh, that lives in the Bronx. He could have come to a lot of other conclusions, like if I ever run anything, I'll make sure that I get as much as I can, or I'm going to grow up and try to screw the system. But he didn't. He made another decision. And because he did, he's been inspiring to everybody that works at Starbucks. Now, uh, he's faced right now with a company that, uh, has seen decreasing earnings, and he has to make a decision in his own leadership. He came back, took over the company, but he has to now make a decision about how he deploys himself in that organization to bring it back. That's, an, that's another conversation. But I think he's a good example of someone that's introspective enough, understood that he had intrinsically something inside of him that would be inspiring, and then brought it uh, into reality in the world of business. Great example, and uh, you said you could bring up some other ones. And I do want to put you on this challenge because I think we do have some examples in the public sector that we can look up to, but we're dealing uh, mostly in this audience with business leaders and professional communicators, people who work in this construct of organizations, and we're often challenged because, as we talked about last time, uh, many people leave their experience day-to-day somewhat drained, not inspired, not feeling connected, and they're looking for something greater. So share some more stories. Okay. Well, um, let's let's look at a couple that, that uh, went awry. Uh, I believe that the Haas family, uh, when they started Levi Strauss, had the same um, way of operating. I believe they were inspired. I think they were inspiring. And I think that they, when they... Uh, made sure that the company was exuding the values of the family. Uh, and as long as it was successful, they did very, very well. People that worked at Levi had that same esprit de corps. They, ha- they thought they had meaning. I mean, after all, they make pants. But they actually were large enough in the world and expressing the values of the owners and the, and the leaders of that company enough that people that came there had that same esprit. They really knew that they were doing something uh, important. On the other hand, when Levi hit the skids and when uh, demand dropped, they lost their way in this way. Um, they believed that expressing who they were was perhaps uh, antithetical to being a public company. So they, they took their company private. And when they took their company private, they, they actually uh, 
thumb their nose at basic business principles. So they didn't pay attention to cost. They didn't pay attention to market. They didn't pay attention to the things that had made them successful on the performance side. Uh, and as a result, they ran into years and years, when still going on, of, uh, of bad performance. Now, um, the reason that uh, your challenge was uh, the best one you possibly could have given me, that is, are other leaders, our leaders inspiring in business, is because you always have in the marketplace these two competing dynamics. One is great performance, and the other is a culture that is actually meaningful. Uh, so to keep those two in balance is very, very tricky. You know, Levi went off the skids because they paid so much attention to meaning and lost uh, sight of the fact that they had to make money to stay in business and to keep inspiring the people that were working there. Uh, Schwab, I think, is probably one of the better examples of a company that's still being run by its founder. He's still a chairman of the board. He had very clear vision, very clear values, and has managed to stick with them over time. People that worked there, particularly you know, in the in the heyday, of course, from the mid '90s until, or the early '90s until 2000, were inspired to go to work. They loved going to work, and that leadership team spoke through the prism of those values all the time. They knew that the clients were first. They knew that they wanted to create an ethical brokerage company. And when you have that as the background, as the reason to go to work every day, it makes a huge difference. Uh, on the other hand, I'll give you a, another counterexample. Um, I happen to think that Scott McNeely, when he was chairman or CEO of, of Sun Microsystems, made a, a really bad mistake in defining his company's mission as uh, killing off Microsoft. Um, every day that you went to work at Sun, when McNeely was there, it's almost like the raison d'etre was to, in some way, harm one of the competitors. That's not a very inspiring thing to do. You know, it's not a very inspiring message to hear when you get out of bed in the morning is that I'm going to go out there and kill somebody off today. Um, he could have done a lot better by that company by moving it towards something that was grander. Oddly, Bill Joy, who was the chief technology officer when he created, or officer when he created Java, did just that to a portion of the company, and that's what's actually survived McNeely. You know, you must have some examples of this. You work in this arena all the time. You know, there there are a few examples, and I wish there were more. And what I'm trying to do in listening to you is take some notes and find what these commonalities are and, and reflecting back to your blog post as well. There seems to be something about uh, having a strong set of values and a vision. And you talk about in your blog how humans are the only species that can, can actually see a, a different future, something a different yes. possibility than what exists today. And it seems like one of the commonalities in these stories is one of these individuals as a leader sees this possibility of what could happen and actually as inspired to that drives an organization and this unique balance that they have to manage between, as you say, performance and meaning, but manages in a way that also leans on meaning and guides people towards that future, kind of unwavering, allowing their values to kind of guide them down that treacherous path of running a business. Um, that's so, right, and that's, that's right, and they're and they're able and willing to engage in that meaning conversation even in tough times. Uh, and the result you find in companies that actually do this, with leaders that actually are able to do this, is that even when people are laid off, they're inspired. They want to come back. Um, they create or do that process in a way that continues uh, the understanding and the realization that even in the layoffs and the cutbacks, they're moving to fulfill what it is that they're trying to do in life. You know, I think I don't. I don't think I relayed this story to you before, but we used to have 
um, particularly during the days of the you know boom boom internet, we had a lot of meetings with venture capitalists and young entrepreneurs, CEOs of, of startups. And one of my favorite questions that we'd ask at those meetings uh, uh, was the relationship between the three words value, values, and valuation. Which came first and what's most important? Invariably, that discussion would go on into the night, but invariably it would come out the same way, that most people that were successful started with values, you know, the values that they had and the things that they wanted to create in the world, the meaning they wanted to create. The second thing was then the value of the proposition they would bring to the public, and valuation was what happened as a result of those two things. That's what I mean by creating meaning. That's inspiring. You know, if if all you did was say, you know, I want to make the next, you know, billion dollars in an IPO, and you set about looking around for opportunities, you may get that done, but that won't be inspiring to people. Uh, rather, what would be inspiring is creating value in society and having the billion-dollar valuation be the result of that. Interesting. And you asked me from my experiences what I have seen, and you know, one of my great examples, and I've had a very fortunate opportunity to work with a company in, in the Bay Area called Genentech for the last nine or ten years. Yeah. And sure. this is a company that, you know, both from a values perspective is doing something pretty terrific in the world. Their mission is, you know, to rid the world of cancer. So there's something, as one of many diseases, kind of meeting unmet medical needs is their mission, and they're doing it in a variety of different ways. So they wake up in the morning and know that they're doing something meaningful in the world. And when I talk about this client experience, and there's a range of things about the way that Art has run this company for many years, the way that they invest in science, the way that they talk about their, their work inside the organization, it, it truly is an organization that lives its values. When I talk to other clients and we use some examples or some things that we've applied there, they often say to us, well, you know, we're not ridding the world of cancer in what we do. So how do we inspire our employees the way that you're talking about with this company called Genentech? Mm-hmm. And I think there's always something inside these organizations that is inspirational. It's finding that piece. It's also being true to that piece. Oftentimes that is, as you mentioned, you know, the founding ideals of the company but we as leaders need to understand what is meaningful about what we do to the employees that we engage, and are we being true to that in the values and the way that we run our company? Have you found a similar situation, or how do you help your clients, your executives, understand how to connect to the inspiration of their people? Well, you know, the, there's, a, there's, a, there's something axiomatic about inspiration because it means to breathe life into the cardinal rule is that you can't breathe life into any anyone unless you have it in yourself. So my first question is always, what's meaningful to you? Uh, why are you why are you doing this? And um, and and then I cue off of that. If the leader doesn't have it within himself or herself to answer that question from a pretty deep you know place, then the rest doesn't matter. Uh, you know the. People are going to be inspired by another human being. That's one of the other axioms. It's, they're not going to be inspired by an organization. They're going to be inspired by another human being. Uh, and it has to be pretty deep within them uh, what they care about and why they're running the business the way they are. Let me give you another example that's more mundane and I think might actually be a better example for some of the people listening. Um, it's also based in the Bay Area, but it's a men's, the men's warehouse. You know, led by a person who founded that company is still there, has implemented policies within the company that make it clear that he's there to help his employees grow, and he sells ties. Uh, 
and suits. Um, and yet, when you hear him speak and you hear about his guarantee and about what it is that he tries to do, when you hear the advertising and the narrative that that uh, they create for the advertising, for example, um, you know, stories about people getting married and having to, you know, get tuxedos in remote locations and having that actually happen, and then the wedding comes off because of that kind of assistance, that is meaningful to people. Those are the turning points in life that people love to be uh, love to be part of. They're mythological. They're, they're illustrations of turning points, whether it's the job interview or the wedding or the, the uh, baptism or what it might be, uh, or going away from home for the first time. Um, uh, he has been able to link his business to those turning points in life and making them real and, and happy for people. And, and then he's able to communicate that throughout his organization and create policies that back it up. Uh, so when people come to work at the men's warehouse, they're inspired. Turning points, moments of truth, there are these opportunities that we have that are really powerful in people's lives that uh, we'll talk about right after this break, how to bring our, breathe life into, bring our very best into. So we're going to take a short break in our last five minutes with Terry. As always, we're going to drive this down into some real practices that you can think about or do differently starting tomorrow. Uh, stay with us. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. If yes, you'll pay me. No if, ands, or maybes. Get paid daily. Make a mad dash. Sign up is a flash. Quickly convert the clicks into cash. Affiliate marketing network is first place. I cut to the chase. It's all performance based. Listen to what I'm telling you. Cause this what you better do. Join as a publisher and maximize your revenue. Think we agreed that money is what you need. Indeed, you can get paid from sales and leads. Not one thing lacking. Don't get it cracking. Even comes with state of the art tracking. Where to the start? You can do it a couple ways. 866-XY7-PAYS. It's toll free. Tell me what you waiting on. So log on to XY7.com. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7. Analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it. So that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash ontarget. LPO, landing page optimization, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. You're getting fired up, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we are back as we close with Terry Pierce, and these are always happy and sad moments for me. <laughs> to continue these conversations. 
bittersweet because we need to have it come to an end. But if you can, Terry, with all of your experience and on this particular topic of empathy and inspiration, how to work with leaders, what are some things that we can start doing? What are some of the best pieces of advice that you have for our listeners? Well, as consultants and coaches, I mean, the, the thing we can do is ask the important questions, you know, not uh, to deepen our own interactions with our clients, not let them off the hook. I told you this story before that one of the things I do when I go into an organization is to take, for the first time, I'll take four or five books and, you know, take them out of my briefcase and put them on the desk. Three of them will be about business, and one of them will be about the lives of the saints or something like that. And invariably, before I leave, the client's going to ask me about that book, not the business books, but that book. Uh, I do that as a way of setting them up for a deeper conversation. So that first conversation that we have with our clients has to be, why is this important to you? What's meaningful to you? If you want to inspire the people here to do you know, to, to really build a great company, you're going to have to be able to answer those questions. And then once you do answer them, you're going to have to be able to frame your communication about this company through the prism of those values. So that's the first thing we can do is have that kind of conversation. Now, if you're listening and you're a practitioner, if you're, if you're a leader, then I would suggest that those are the most important uh, questions you can ask yourself because without them, you're not really leading anyone. You're just directing them. One of the things that Obama does so well, and you picked this out of the blog right away, is that he deploys himself from the very first moment that he announced his candidacy. He has made it a point to let us learn about him through two books, through uh, his own you know, personal revelations. We know about him and what his values are and what he stands for as an individual. Um, he does talk about the United States of America, but he talks about expressing his values through the United States of America, and that's what people relate to the best. So those are things that we can do. Deepen the conversation, make sure we're asking the right questions, and if we're going to frame a communications platform or do communications work in a company, make sure that that's uh, framed through the prism of values and that the advertising follows suit and that the internal communication follows suit. That's how you get alignment, and that's how you get inspiration. Great stuff. I want to poke one level further. We have a few more minutes, and one of the things that we learned about, uh, for example, with Google, getting 20% of people's time to the projects that are exciting to them, inspiration for them. Uh, we heard from Duff Froman a couple of weeks ago about this notion of daydreaming, how important it is as a practice for you as a manager, as a leader, as an employee in any capacity to actually daydream, spend time in wonder and curiosity. Uh, are there other practices, not just for leaders, but anywhere that you live in an organization, how do we set up structures or how do we engage ourselves in daily practices that are inspiring for us? What, what is your research led us? Sure. Uh, well, I'll just give you a couple, of, a couple that I use, yeah. One is what I call forward story, and um, you're on to the idea of imagination. Of course, that's what we want to do. We want to... We want to we can't create anything unless we can first imagine it. So um, I do a lot of work with people's imagination. One of them is to say, look, I want you to pick up an image of yourself five years from now, and it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Just close your eyes and pick up an image and tell me what you see. Um, and if I can get them to do that, I can then get them to describe what the situation's like and where they are and what they're enjoying and what's happening. And then... As they follow that character around in their imagination, I can get them to put that character into reverie and to ask that character, well, how did you get here? Uh, where were you five years ago and what actually happened? And that character, if they can keep themselves in their imagination, that character will actually tell them 
how they got from where they are today to where they will be five years from now. That kind of exercise. And then, we, then you write that down. That kind of exercise has a way of creating reality. It's a, uh, it's a way of actually contemplating something or uh, imagining something that you want to make real. And you know, Gordon, in the, in the spiritual traditions, um, one of the greatest tools that's available to us is contemplation, which really means um, putting something on earth as we see it, contemplato. It means making something real that we see in our imagination, on earth as it is in heaven in the Christian sense. So that's one way to do it. Now, uh, obviously, when you're working in business, you you know run into a lot of cynicism and a lot of people who won't see the value of this or, or are afraid to see the value of it. So there are other things that you can do, short of having them play in a sandbox <laughs> or you know go in and uh, and do imaginative writing that will get to the same place. Um, but but basically, these are a few exercises that you can that you can implement. I love it. Thank you so much. We're talking about not only deeper conversations, but deeper insights and forward story, using your imagination, spending time in contemplation, manifesting what you see, uh, and also connecting to what you said last time. I remember we talked about being vulnerable as leaders and exposing yourself. And if you're a practitioner, if you're coaching leaders, don't let them off the hook. Force the deeper conversations, force those deeper insights, and make sure that we're creating environments where people have the opportunities to dream and see what's possible for themselves. So great conversation again, Terry. Uh, look forward to more. I urge people to check out TerryPierce.com and the TerryPierce.com WordPress site for his cross-cultural inspiration. And continue to connect with us via Twitter, www.twitter.com forward slash fired up. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. We'll talk to the pin shows, I believe, next week from the Intelligent Organization. Thank you, folks, and we'll catch you next week.